Hey guys, it's Alana and welcome back for another episode of Seeing Other People. We have such an exciting episode today, but before we get into that, I want to give a quick reminder. Our two Valentine's Day parties, or should I say our Galentine's Day party and our fuck Valentine's Day party in partnership with Filter Off, the video speed dating app, are happening so soon. We have Valentine's Day on February 7th and fuck Valentine's Day on February 10th. These are the first parties that I'm throwing and I plan them so strategically to solve two things. One, the fact that so many of you feel like you are the only single girl in the friend group or you don't have girlfriends to go out and wing women each other with. So I wanted to plan that so we can all meet each other, have a great time, make new single girlfriends or just make new girlfriends in general because I know making friends in your 20s, 30s can be challenging challenging, especially in such a big city like New York. So I wanted to create a space for us all to come together and meet each other and hang out and become friends so that on Friday, February 10th, we can go wing woman the shit out of each other at the fuck Valentine's Day singles mixer. It is going to be so much fun. Literally every single day you guys are sliding into my DMs, my emails, my question box saying, Alana, how do I meet people in real life? Or Alana, I'm sick of dating apps. I just want to meet a cute guy or a cute girl or a cute person at a bar or through a mutual friend or at a party. And so Filter Off and I teamed up to create the space where you guys can just come meet and mingle, flirt, do whatever you want, find people you're attracted to and get to know them and hopefully set up some awesome dates. And also, of course, distract from the fact that Valentine's Day is coming up because I know how stressful and frustrating it can be, especially when you're single. I have been there. I have wanted to ignore it. I've tried to stay off social media during it just to keep my focus away from it so that I wasn't thinking about the fact that I was single. So I wanted to give you guys something really fun to enjoy and then to be excited about. You know, you can come to this party, make new friends, meet people that you're into, get some numbers and feel distracted and excited about all of these things, these new connections, these new friends. So you don't even have to think about Valentine's Day one bit. So February 7th, Valentine's Day, February 10th, fuck Valentine's Day. We have the links in the show notes. In order to attend these parties, you can come for free. All you have to do is download the filter off app and RSVP in the app. So that is your free ticket in. If for some reason you don't want to download the app, you can still come, but RSVP in the event right in the link in show notes and link in my bio on socials. And you'll just have to pay 20 bucks for your entrance, but it's going to be amazing. And I cannot wait to meet so many of you guys and wing women, so many of you there. Today's episode is very exciting. It is not Alana's brain and mush. We have an amazing guest on today, Rudy A. He is the host of the Rude Advice podcast. He is absolutely huge on TikTok and his content is so helpful, is so insightful. And he basically went through a divorce and has since found the new love of his life, has a new baby boy and couldn't be happier. And along the way, he obviously learned so much about life and love and human connection and relationships and he has so much wisdom to share. And it is such an honor to have him on. I got the opportunity to go on the Rude Advice podcast as well. And Rudy and I just hit it off and had such a blast and such a wonderful conversation. So definitely check that out as well. I have the link to him and his podcast in the show notes for this episode, an interesting conversation and such a great conversation. He is very open about the fact that he had an affair on his ex-wife. And so we talk about that transition from being happily married to having an affair and why he didn't just leave. We talk about signs he knew his marriage was over and when he realized it was time to leave as opposed to continuing to fight and continuing to try and 
hold on and keep things going. We talk about dating after divorce and tips for getting back out there and what it was like dipping his toe back in the dating world. We talk about if and how he told women on dates that he was divorced and their reactions and what the ideal reaction would be. And so much more. We answer a bunch of your listener questions and it's just such a great episode. I'm so excited for you guys to get to know Rudy. Before we get into it, instead of reading out some dating wins like I have been doing in the intros, I want to read out some of these finding love in your 30s success stories. I loved that somebody sent this in and asked if I could source some of these to help give you guys motivation and inspiration. And the responses I got were incredible. So in case you missed them, I want to just share some of these stories. Someone said, after being single for three years, I found love again. I'm 42. There's so much to look forward to in your 30s. Someone said, I'm 33 years old. Today is my nine month with my amazing new boyfriend via Hinge. We moved in together last month. Someone said, oh, actually, a guy submitted this and said, I meet plenty of women over 30. They're more interesting. Age means nothing. Enjoy it. I love that so much. And I love that a guy actually took it upon himself to say like, you know what, here's this opportunity for me to hype these women up and let them know that there is nothing wrong with being in your 30s. And I love that this community is amazing. Someone said I met my boyfriend at 36 at a bar, we live together and are talking about engagement. Someone said mindlessly online dated for four years, I met my person four months ago at age 34. And I got this incredible DM that said, after a year of terrible dates, I looked back at my phone at people I'd gone out with the last time I was single. And I found this one guy where I'd had high hopes, but we got off on the wrong foot and never got a second date. I decided to shoot my shot and messaged him out of the blue four years later. It's now 18 months and we're living together and he's a wonderful boyfriend. I don't think either of us were in the right place when we first met, but we have both done a lot of growth since then. And we are ready for each other this time around. I love that story more than I can begin to explain. First of all, the fact that this person went back and thought about, okay, who were these dates that I went on or who are the people I went on these dates with where, you know, maybe it didn't lead to a second date, a third date, whatever, but there was something there. There could have been something there. I think even doing that is such an amazing exercise in thinking about who could actually be a great potential partner, even if it didn't work out and what you liked about those people. And then they took it one step further to say, you know what? Screw it. I have nothing to lose by just reaching out. And they did. And it paid off more than anyone could ever have imagined. And again, you have nothing to lose by reaching out and putting yourself out there. And there is so much to gain from doing that. And I feel like I hear so many stories about this and I want to start sharing them more, but I really just love this so much and I'm so proud of this person, so happy for them. And I hope that they can be a symbol of hope and a little bit of motivation for all of you who are feeling stuck, who are feeling like you're trying everything. You keep putting yourself out there and it's not working. Like you literally never know and you never know what just reaching back out to somebody could lead to. With that, let's get into today's episode. All right, we are here. Rudy, welcome to Seeing Other People. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. this I talked to you on my podcast and we had a lot of fun, so I'm looking forward to doing this with you. I loved that conversation so much, and I've been so excited to get back on the mic with you and do it again on mm -hmm. Seeing Other People. So first and foremost, congratulations. Got to address the uh, elephant or baby in the room. Uh, <laughs> congrats on your baby boy. Thank you so much. Yeah, he's uh, a month old as of yesterday. And uh, again, it's, uh, it's not easy, especially those first few uh, weeks, because they're waking up every two hours, you have a feeding schedule. So me and my girlfriend are, you know, I'm trying to help out as much as I can. I'm very involved. And oh, my God, so I'm averaging about four, maybe five hours of sleep. But it's it's wonderful. It's a wonderful blessing. 
I'm sure it's it's a lot of ups and downs, but I'm sure it's so worth it and such an amazing oh, yeah. experience. He's a, yeah. he's an amazing, beautiful little boy. I just he just reignites like my drive for life, and I just see him and I just want to give him the world. So it's a wonderful feeling. I love that. So this is not your first child. No, I have two teenagers from my first marriage. Um, yes. I have my daughter's 18 and my son's 16. So I had one going to college. I thought I was done. The universe said, nope, you're going to start all over again. So here we are. <laughs> Is it any easier the third time around? <laughs> Is it? it uh, well, it's, the first part's easy. When they're newborns, it's super easy. It only gets hard when they're uh, maybe uh, two, three. They start walking around touching things. Um, it's, it's, so it's, I'm having a good time, but yeah, you kind of know what you're doing. You're not terrified of like, if he coughs or sneezes. So you got, you kind of got the flow of it now. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still in that phase with my dog. If he coughs, I run to the vet and I'm like, what's wrong? (laughs) He can't tell me. So I gotta, (laughs) gotta do what I gotta do. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's so much I want to dive into today. I want to talk about your divorce. I want to talk about getting back out there and dating after divorce, how you met your now girlfriend and Mm -hmm. the mother of your now new baby. Um, But let's start, I guess, at the beginning. You were in a long marriage, correct? Yes, I married my high school sweetheart. We got married at 21, the very young age. And what happened from, you know, going from those that young love to having these kids to now you know, divorce? How did we get from those happy days to this isn't working? Oh, my God, that's a long story. But let me go ahead and tell it. Uh, What happened was we got married, young, like I said, at 21. And I'd say the first, oh, I'd say the first four to five years were amazing. Because, you know, we're just still kids growing up together, playing video games with each other, uh, going out doing whatever we wanted. So it was a wonderful first like four or five years. And uh, again, not to blame the kids. But when the kids started coming, that's when we started having to work a lot. And that's when uh, in, in, in your 20s, like I said, between 20 and 26, there's like this range where everybody starts getting married and everyone starts buying homes and buying cars and going on trips. And then you start comparing yourself to these other friends of yours like, well, how did they buy a house? How did they get a car? So she and I were kind of foolish and we started getting into debt. We bought a home when we didn't have to. We bought brand new cars just to kind of keep up with the Joneses, as they say. So a big piece of what led to the divorce was finances. We were very irresponsible with finances and trying to keep up with everybody, which is foolish. And I tell everybody, you're going to get married, stay out of debt, buy everything used. Uh, that was one thing. The other thing was that we didn't know how to communicate. Uh, whenever we got into fights, I noticed we were both waiting to talk. We weren't really listening to one another. So there was a lot of fights that happened and occurred there. And uh, the other is just we grew apart. Um, I challenge everybody, ask yourself, are you the same person you were at 21 compared to the person you are now at 30? Uh, most people will say they're different and I was definitely different. Uh, she was a different person and I realized that we didn't have a lot in common other than bills and kids. And, uh, we just slowly started drifting apart and going other, other avenues. And there was just a lot of fights. Um, I loved her with all my heart and I wanted it to work again. We were married 16 years. We tried absolutely everything to save it. Uh, but there were just so many items that just came about. And at one point in my marriage around my ninth year, I was at a lonely point because I felt like a failure at home because every time I went home, she was telling us we didn't have any money. We didn't have any uh, money to go do things. I I was praised at work, but when I would come home, I was just told I was just a horrible husband not providing. So I felt horrible coming home. And that's a horrible thing to be in, especially if you're married. You you don't want to come home and you feel like a failure. 
uh, that's your safe space. That's your sanctuary. So I didn't feel safe or like appreciate it. Uh, there was constant bickering, no sex life because she was just angry and stressed all the time. And eventually uh, it led to me having an affair, uh, which lasted only a couple months, but I confessed because I felt so bad. And of course, no one goes into a marriage uh, wanting to cheat or wanting it to fail. That's not how it works. But when you feel you're at, there's no other avenue. You feel that you've tried everything. You've gone to counseling. You've, and again, you can go to counseling all you want, right? But if you're not implementing the rules and the teachings are telling you to do at home and you're just going back to the different behaviors, you're seeing like the cycle of it just not, not improving. And you feel like you tried everything and you feel helpless and you feel emotionally just empty. I, I wavered and I hate myself for doing it. It's one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made. And hence I confessed to her that I did it, but we tried to save the marriage like six years after the fact, but ultimately it wasn't just that one event. It was just a series of financial um, irresponsibility, not able to communicate, not really listening to each other that led to the marriage ultimately ending. But it's kind of weird to say, but it did end on good terms because we didn't leave each other for anybody. Uh, we're wonderful co-parents now. We're better parents than we are husband and wife. And she's got a great husband now. I have a wonderful woman. We all get along great. So it just ran its course, so to speak. That's the long-winded answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't apologize. There's so much that I want to dive into there. I think, you know, one of the first things you said when starting that is, you know, think about where you were at 21 versus where you are at 30 or in your 30s. It's like, I'm not even 30 yet. I'm still only 28. And like, uh -huh. I, if I ended up marrying any of the people I like dated or even like kissed when I was 21. Oh my mm -hmm. God. I'm sure that would not have worked because I didn't know who I was at the time. And you're right. Like does, you do really? change exactly. You change so much over time, but especially in your twenties, like there's such formative years. So it does in a way make sense. Like, and I think that's why we see, we don't see many like high school sweetheart couples actually like making it because mm -hmm you really need to figure out who you are both together, but also independently. And so just hearing, hearing that like comparison of like, Oh, where you were when you were 21 versus where you are when you're 30, like that does yeah. make sense where it's like, yeah, I'm a completely different person. Yeah. And it's kind of add to that. I've noticed there's a lot of, you may know a lot of women who are in the same boat, like they married the, their high school sweetheart or they're in a long-term relationship with somebody they've known since 18. They go into their the young adult adulthood in their twenties and most times it's the women that excel in the corporate American space where they're just like excelling, they're becoming managers, district managers, whatever the case is. Meanwhile, their boyfriend, and I've seen this happen plenty of times, he's still at home playing video games and he's still having fun. And she's looking at him like, I know he's got potential, but what's going on here? And he just doesn't want to do anything. He's more blaming other people. It's, it's everybody else's fault but me. And that's where I see, uh, it kind of happened in my space. I was excelling in the corporate world space she was blaming me for a lot of things. I'm like, okay, but I'm trying to help you now. And when you're with somebody who's not really taking accountability and you feel like you're the one who has to make them happy when it's really not on us to make somebody happy, they have to have happiness on their own. That's a critical piece. Like uh, where if you're in that type of space in relationship, that's not where you want to be. Why do you think you held on for so long? Cause you mentioned it was like the first four or five years were great. But then after that is when things took a turn, but you stayed married for a very long time. And Obviously, I don't say that meaning like, oh, just give up and leave. But, right. you know, it sounds like you did like you went to couples counseling, you tried to mm -hmm. communicate, you tried to make things better for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Why, A, I guess, do you think 
why like why did you hold on and, and try and fight for it for so long and and why do you think that like going to couples counseling I know you mentioned you have to like go home and implement those things that you're learning mm-hmm. why weren't either of you or both of you implementing that uh well to answer the first part of the question I, I loved her and I'm not a quitter I wanted to exhaust every possible option to make sure I in other words if it didn't work out I wanted to leave with a peace of mind knowing I tried everything no what ifs no I could have done that I should have done that no I exhausted every possible option and um like I said, I loved her and I didn't want to do it because no one, like I said, marriage, in my opinion, I know a lot of people think less of it nowadays, but I feel it's a beautiful uh, sanctuary. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place to be in when you find someone who you want to spend the rest of your life with, you know, you got all the right reasons. You can definitely become a power couple and no one wants to go in there wanting to fail, especially when there's, I'm like, again, I'm Hispanic. And I remember telling my parents, like, I want to, I, I'm, I'm not happy. No, no, stay together for the kids. And, and part of that was them not wanting to be the parents of the somebody who got divorced, you know, because it kind of reflects ill on them. So there was family pressure, cultural pressure for me not to leave, but I decided to do it on my own. Uh, but again, I think for us, we had just got us, we got set into our own ways. After like the 12th year, you see your spouse for who they are. And, you know, whatever they try to change to, whatever they try to become, you still see them who they are. And when you un, when you can't unsee a certain piece of them and you lose respect for them, it's over. And at that point I had lost respect for her because again, uh, I, I know she was trying, but again, we just couldn't exceed. And again, I was just, um, she brought out the worst of me. And, I, and again, I'm not saying that I was a, a, a wonderful husband. I was a horrible husband. There's many other things I did wrong that I, I don't bring up much, but yes, we both were just incompatible with each other. So, and again, but we tried every possible way to save it. Yeah. People ask me often, like, how do I know if we're going through a rough patch or if it's time to break up, if it's time to leave, if if I should keep fighting or if I should walk away? Mm-hmm. What was the final thing that I guess led you guys to this conversation of like, we need to get divorced? Oh, well, uh, that's a funny story because it was like at a class, a, a, a high school reunion. It was our 20th high school reunion. Yes, I'm that old. <laughs> and I felt that everybody kind of was looking at us and judging us. We're at this place and I hadn't seen a lot of people. And, you know, we've all been there. We all know of the couple who is fighting and is not doing well. It's very obvious with the body language and how they're, you know, hey, something's going on over there. And I felt like everybody was looking at us. And I go, this isn't, I don't feel good. I don't, you know. I haven't seen these people in 20 years. I, I feel very uncomfortable. And I remember telling her, let's get out of here. You know, I just feel weird. And uh, I, I just, uh, let's, let's just get out of here. She goes, no, I'm going to stay. You go home. Uh, I go, but I feel uncomfortable. And, you know, I think they're kind of just talking about it. She goes, I don't care. You go home. I'm going to go out and party with them. And I'm like, oh. And that's when I knew. I mean, there was plenty of other things, but that's one of the main points that I knew. There was another moment where she was off. I was off work. I had like vacation for some reason. And I was at home. I had the kids and she was working still. So I made sure I had her car washed. Uh, the house was clean. The kids were bathed and doing homework and dinner was ready. I was just trying to, uh, and again, I did this a lot, but again, I was, this was like a bad moment in the marriage where I was like, I really want, you know, to make her life easier when she gets home. I just don't want her to work. Laundry's done. She comes home and I remember her just yelling at me, why'd you wash my car? I didn't ask you to do that. And I'm like, but I wanted to do that. She goes, I told you never to touch my car. And you would, I don't like dinner. You, I mean, why you cooked it all wrong? No, I don't want that. I, you folded the towels wrong. That's not the way I want them folded. And that series of just her just critiquing 
and yeah. just destroying all my efforts to make things good for her. That was the, actually the final straw that did it for me. I'm like, yeah, I got to get out of here. I feel like I can definitely pinpoint situations I've had with people. Maybe I've worked with them or friends or people I've mm -hmm. dated where it's like something does switch and suddenly like no matter what they do, every single thing they do, every single thing they say just yep. rubs me the wrong way, irks me, pisses me <laughs> off, like makes me angry. Even if there's like, if even if it was so genuine, it's just like, I don't know if I've ever been able to come back from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it hurts, especially when you're the yeah. person wanting to go out, you know, just make the other person's life a little special, just kind of show them by acts of uh, one of the love, love languages, right? Just acts of service. Acts of service and they come yeah. and just just destroy it. It's really heartbreaking. And you really can't recover from that. Yeah. And it sounds like your only intention with that was just to be nice and to be good and to be helpful. Yeah. And that I can only imagine how much that hurt in those moments to just be completely shut down each time. Oh, it's uh, it's a pain that you don't want to you don't want to know. But again, yeah. I think a lot of people have been there. You know, we go out of our way to help people and you're dating somebody and you're really giving your all. And then you find out they cheated on you or they were never interested in you. So we've all been in that space and it's a space you never forget. The affair that you had, I want to get into that a little bit because I'm sure, sure people's like ears and eyebrows kind of raised a bit when we touched on it. What were you feeling? Obviously, I know, I know you mentioned that like you're going home, every, everything around you is like upsetting. You didn't feel like you were successful in your marriage, the money stuff. Like there were so many different aspects going on that led you to do it. But as it was happening, like, did it provide you any relief? Did it make you feel good? Like emotionally, like what was going on in your head when you started having the affair? Well, um, the person that it was with, it was a coworker and she was younger. I was 34 at the time. She was 24. And she was just attracted to me. She admired my position at work. So she was very flirty. And she reminded me of how funny I was. Because again, I'm a very funny guy. I, I like to think that I am. I like to have fun. I enjoy life. I think and, you're uh, funny. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you're that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just me. And I was just very down and just miserable, especially at home. I, I just was very miserable. I dreaded going home. And she reminded me that I was funny and I was, I had a lot of great ideas and I had, you know, a future and she just supported me. I'm like, wow. It, so it wasn't sexual. I want to be cool. I want to be clear on that. A lot of women may think that there's a misconception that men cheat because of the sexual need. Yes, that's a part of it. But for me, it was more emotional. She just made me feel like the man I was and want and wanted to be my aspiration. She's, she laughed at my jokes. Like I said, she supported me. She backed up my ideas and that did it for me. And of course, there was a chemistry, there was a back and forth, we kind of flirted and joked around. She loved comic book movies, my ex-wife didn't. So we would joke around with that. So we had a lot in common. And again, one of my errors is that I started like confiding into her. Like, yeah, I'm not doing too good. Things are wrong at home. So again, anybody's listening and you're married, do not confide to a coworker of the opposite sex. I promise you it'll end bad. Don't do that. This is coming from real life experience. Uh, and it, that's what it happened. So it felt good from an emotional sense because I felt like this is what it's, it's supposed to be like. This is what, you know, coming home to your wife is supposed to be like. And again, I fought that temptation for six months, almost a year, I believe it's, it's happened so long ago, but I fought it for such a long time. It was really trying to make things work at home. And ultimately I just caved in because again, I was just a, a low state. And I know a lot of your followers or listeners may say, why didn't you just leave? I couldn't afford to. I couldn't afford to. I mean, we we're house poor already. We got into a lot of financial debt, like I said. 
And it took both of us working full-time jobs and me working a side job to barely get by. So I couldn't afford to. And I was thinking, if I do leave, then I got to pay all the worst case scenarios, child support, alimony. Where am I going to live? I can't even afford to live anywhere. So ultimately, that's why a lot of guys don't leave is because we can't afford to. If we could, there's an avenue we would take it. I promise you we would, but I just couldn't afford to. Yeah, that makes sense hearing you explain it. And, and I know sometimes people are like, oh, like, why not just leave? And to your point, like getting divorced is expensive. And then yes. all the steps you have to take after that costs a lot of money. And mm -hmm. for a lot of people, it isn't an option. And right. it's like, I know I'm, I know we're both sitting here talking about like, okay, this affair happened. I know you, you mentioned like, it was one of the biggest mistakes you made. Oh yeah. But it sounds like, and I've, I've watched a ton of your content. I listen to your podcast. So I know how much you've learned since then. And, you mm -hmm. know, in hindsight, obviously you can realize so much, but I'm curious, two things. One did your ex-wife ever forgive you? Um, and how did she react, I guess, when you ultimately ended up telling her about it? Uh, well, she was devastated. Uh, obviously, obviously devastated. Uh, but like I said, I confessed to her. I didn't get caught. I confessed because yeah. I just felt like after the act had happened, you know, you come home, you feel like you robbed a bank and you just feel like everyone's looking at you. You feel it's an ugly feeling of this guilt and the guilt was just eating me away. And I just, I have to confess. So I did. And of course, uh, she didn't take it well. Um, and she said, we'll try to move on. And I'm like, great. And it's, it's very difficult. If anybody's ever cheated on their spouse or, or boyfriend, girlfriend, whomever, and you ask them to forgive you, that's not an easy task. It, it can take years for it to actually, you know, for them to come to peace and forgive you. And there were years, we went a couple of years, I would go by, uh, and she would bring it up in, in when she was upset. And it would hurt me because I thought, hey, we were doing great. You haven't brought it up in two years. But you know, through therapy, I learned that that's part of the healing process. They're still grieving. It's an ult the ultimate betrayal. So I understand that now. At the time, I didn't, but uh, I understand that now. And plus, there's always this uncomfortable blanket around you because no matter if you did the act, you're at home watching a movie, then you're watching a movie where the husband cheats, and it's like, uh, okay, you feel it in the room or a song comes on. So it's always lingering in, in the relationship. So uh, if uh, the forgiveness piece she initially did, she ultimately did, to answer your question. Uh, but it took a very long time. And again, we ended with the divorce, but it was not just that act. It was other things that came into fruition. Did you ever forgive yourself? I, you know, that, wow, that is a great question. Uh, ultimately I did. Um, I hated myself for quite some time and everyone hated me because, you know, she kind of told everybody what I did and I was a villain and rightfully so I was a villain, but I didn't say what her faults were and what she did. And, um, I think it took years of, not until maybe 2019 is when I forgave myself and I was able to talk about it publicly on social media, which on TikTok was uh, a hell of a reaction, <laughs> but, uh, thanks to therapy and, uh, just realizing that. You know, I did forgive. She, if she forgives me, I can forgive myself. But it yeah. took a while. Yeah. To your point about like it took a really long time for her to forgive you. I mean, that completely makes sense, and and I understand why it would be something that continuously comes back up, even if at first you think like, okay, we're moving past it. And yeah. I've had a lot of listeners come to me and say like, what do I do? They hooked up with someone else. They were talking to someone else. Like they want to work through it. I want to work through it, but. How do I know if I really can? And I think it's important to really consider, like, if it happens to you, can you actually move past right. it? Because there are a lot of people who 
you will say you want to, you will say you can, you will want to more than anything. But at the end of the day, you're not actually ever going to be able to get there. And that's completely valid. And that's completely understandable. But I think the longer you try and fake it for or convince yourself you're going to be okay, knowing that you're not like, I think in that case, you end up like hurting yourself even more. Yeah, especially when it's not an easy decision. Let's say you have children, you have assets, you have a home, and the finances are not as strong as you would like them to be. There's no emergency fund. Uh, you have a life, you have neighbors, you have a whole life around you. So one decision is going to uproot and ruin a lot of lives. Your kids are not going to be able to play with these certain family because everyone's going to side to one person or the other. So it's going to really trickle down. Am I going to tell, let's say you were cheating on a woman who had a husband, right? And it was like two married people. Is that person, like if I found out my ex-wife was cheating on a a married man, am I going to go tell his wife? So it's going to implode a lot of families and ruin a lot of things. So I, I feel that's part of the reason why a lot of people choose to stay because of just the after effects uh, of so many damaged lives that can come about. Yeah. I want to move into talking about post-divorce. Okay. You were in a tough place for a while while in your marriage. This divorce happens. How did you go about, even before we get into dating or maybe dating happened sure. sooner rather than later, I don't know, but how did you go about just rebuilding your life and rediscovering yourself because whether it's a divorce or a breakup like that is such a core part in Mm -hmm. healing and Mm -hmm. I just like I know I've been through really traumatic breakups but those were from like six month one year etc relationships not like a really long marriage that defined who I was and created a family and my whole life. So I'm wondering what that process was like for you. Uh, well, therapy helped me. I wouldn't be where I'm at today if it wasn't for therapy. And the divorce was final April 14th of 2016. But the year prior to that, for 12 months, I went to therapy. And I, I told my therapist everything. Look, I just want to know if this is my fault. What can I can what I can do to be a better man? And part of the healing process was to look in the mirror and say, hey, Rudy, uh, you were the asshole. At moments, I mean, you weren't a saint, but this was not all your fault. And uh, I'm sorry if I kind of curse. I said asshole. <laughs> sorry, curse away. And uh, therapy, therapy really helped me get there. And after the, you know, I had a lot of sessions for that one year. When the divorce finally came about, I was in a state where I felt I was making the right decision because I wasn't leaving. Like I said, I didn't leave her for anybody else. I was leaving for me. And I advise anybody if you actually do move forward with the divorce. Again, first exhaust every possible option that you can to save it. That way you can leave with a peace of mind knowing that you tried everything. Uh, but also leave for yourself. Do not leave just to go into another relationship. That's the, the dumbest thing you can do. Uh, give yourself time to find who you are. And that's the other piece. Uh, things, aren't, uh, things are expensive now, more so than ever. So at the time, I knew I was going to be in a financial uh, horrible situation. But I knew I was doing this for me. And I was excited on what the future was going to bring to me. Uh, it was like an unwritten page and letting go of that life was very hard. And I think a lot of people will cling to an old life and not let it go because they don't want to, uh, they fear the unknown. And that's why I say for a lot of divorced people who are out there, they're some of the bravest people I know because I know of many people who stay in loveless marriages, abusive marriages, because they want to stay for whatever reason they have. But it takes a lot of bravery just to jump off that cliff, not knowing what's on the bottom and who you're going to meet. 
Uh, but it's also an exciting adventure because I finally, for the first time, like I said, I got married at 21. So here I am at 39. Who's Rudy? Other than a dad and a husband, I don't know who the hell Rudy is. And finding out who that was, was some of the best years of my life. And uh, it was, I had to work three jobs. I was working my primary job. I drove for Uber, <laughs> Uber Eats and Lyft and also doing side jobs. So finances, I eventually got through that. Uh, but it was not easy. But it, it again, it was the most exciting part of my life because like, I finally got to discover who I was. Yeah, taking that leap is definitely both terrifying, but also if you if you kind of can move a little bit of that terrifying aside underneath, there mm -hmm. is that excitement of, okay, like, let's re find ourselves like Rudy, go meet Rudy, you know? Yeah. And I think it's really awesome that you embraced that. And yes, it was really difficult. And you had not only like the divorce behind you, but you also had all the, the financial stuff to deal with, but you got through it. And I think yeah. getting through something like that really just becomes a kind of reminder for yourself that like, if you got through that, you can get through anything else that gets thrown your way. Yeah. And if I can add the toughest piece of that was being alone. Um, there were nights where again, we had divorce and the, the kids went to her for seven days. We had joint custody seven days with her seven days with me. And there were weekends where I had no money. I couldn't go out. So I'm stuck at home. And I remember just the silence of the house, not hearing the kids run upstairs or like the TV on. It was just this deafening silence. And I remember it, I would cry. I would just go insane. And I'm like, I can't just sit in the space and just dwell in self-pity. I would go for walks and walks. I don't know what it is with walks, but just walking outside and having the sun in your face and the wind in your hair changes your energy. And before you know it, 20 minutes after you leave the house, you just feel better. So I would just go for walks whenever I felt bad and just waved hi to people. And, you know, I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go to this trail I've never been on. And that's how I met some friends. You know, you just bump into people randomly and things happen. So I just, whenever I was in that negative, horrible state, I forced myself to get up and do something. I love that. And I think it's so important for anyone to figure out what that thing is. And, and maybe for someone that's listening to music, maybe it's doing yoga yeah. or going for a walk, whatever it is, like having that is so important. And I love that you mentioned that you ended up like meeting people through it because mm -hmm. that's that's how you meet people. That's how you create a world for yourself is by going and doing things. And mm -hmm. it's not going to happen if you're just sitting on your couch. Exactly. Exactly. So when did you decide to get back out there? <laughs> well, it was pretty fast. Like I said, the divorce was final uh, April 14th of 2016. And for 12 months prior to that, I was in therapy. So I wanted to go dating uh, right away. So I went dating like uh, the next month, but I was, again, I was very forward with every woman I met. I, everybody knew I just got divorced and that was fun to tell women that the reactions I got were pretty insane. Half of them, most of them didn't believe me. Sure. Whatever. Like I have the PDF right here if you want to see it, but a lot Wait, of them didn't believe me. What do you mean me. they didn't believe you? Like you would just, how would you, how would this come up in conversation? What would you say? Well, I'd be at a bar, we're talking and they go, you see anybody? And no, I just got divorced. Like you're divorced. And I'm like, yeah. And they go, whatever. I'm like, whoa, 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 what do you mean? What happened? He goes, we hear that all the time. Apparently there's a lot of married men out there who say they're getting divorced or are divorced. Uh -huh. And then they go, okay, they date them. And then before you know it, five weeks in, oh, he's still married. He's still living at home. He lied to me. So apparently there's a lot of that going on. So I had to prove to them <laughs> and I oh did it for God. fun because I didn't mind. I go, it's right here if you want to see it. So showing them that was a fun interaction, but 
I was very upfront. Like I said, I wanted to go out there and meet as many people as I can because part of the excitement of going out to date was introducing myself for the first time because, again, it's not just Rudy with his wife or married Rudy. It's the single Rudy who's never existed. So here I am at 39. So it was a lot of enthusiasm and fun to go out there and meet people. What was it like the first time you actually had feelings for someone? Oh, my was God. that a oh. weird feeling? Was that uncomfortable? Was it exciting? Um, well, the f- strong feelings was that I had a toxic ex in my my dating career. And um, the feelings came on strong. But I thought since I went through the divorce and went through all this heartache, I was going to be extra smart. So I had to make sure I had all these boxes checked. And I'm not sure I talked to her. And I'm not going to lie, you know, she was very beautiful, but I, I, so I ignored, I ignored a lot of red flags that were present. So it's funny how some of us have standards and like, you know, things to look out for. And uh, when someone comes who like is your type, you totally just throw it out the window. Oh, I'll work with that. I'll see what happens. I'll see what happens. But uh, it came on pretty uh, fast. Um, so again, I thought I was cautious, but again, it didn't work out. She ended up cheating on me with her ex. So karma came back already. It came back and bit me. Uh, and that really hurt because the first I was, I'll say this before, uh, and I'll say it again. The first heartache you have after divorce is the worst, because again, you think you're extra safe. You think you're smarter than you, your past self. I was going to ask about that because I've seen you post that. And I, I think that's so interesting. And I actually recorded with, uh, an anonymous listener yesterday who had a story that very much reflected that. Yeah. Cause again, you think you're smart you think, oh, I've done this before. I know what to look for. And then when it happens, it's like, Wow. It, part of it's like anger at yourself. And again, it's, it's that pain because you thought you had protected yourself from that. And when it happens, oh, it, it sucks. Yeah. What I want to kind of like go into that more just because now I'm hearing it okay. like twice in a row. Okay. Why is that a worse heartbreak than the divorce itself? Uh, well, part of it is that you blame yourself and you thought you're extra careful. Like I said, you go and previous to her, I was very careful and upfront with women. But again, just from the look standpoint, she was exactly what I was looking for at the time. And um, I was I was just very cautious. And all the mistakes I made as a husband, all the mistakes I made as a, a in back then I did I did the complete opposite. I was the best boyfriend she ever had. She even said that many times. While your your wife left you, oh my God! I mean, you're so attentive. You like to communicate. You like to you know flourish me with gifts, take me out, pamper me, treat me like a queen. You're doing all this, and your wife left you. She's stupid. And so I was really going above and beyond to kind of like remove the negative, uh, I guess, stigma I had of what Rudy was in a relationship. So I was giving her my all. And yeah. then when it come when it came back and she cheated on me, that's when it really hurt because again, I gave her my best. I gave her my absolute best at the time. And uh, that's when it really hurt because like, wow, I was extra cautious and I gave her my all and I'm still here. Like, how the hell does that happen? What was it like being cheated on after having cheated? I laughed. <laughs> it was like one of those bad days. Like I laughed and I kind of looked at the universe like, okay, this is where the come up and this is what I get. What's uh, my taste my own medicine. So it, I laughed, but it really did hurt because again, I didn't see it coming. Um, I felt like I didn't deserve it. I mean, who does really? So there's a lot of compare and contrast from what you know to what you're experiencing. So it really did suck. It, it took me a while to recover from that and get and get this to answer your question earlier. Can you forgive somebody if they cheat on you? I forgave her. 
and said, I love you. I'm really, I really want this to work. So I forgave her, took her back. Four months later, she cheated on me again. So I same knew Same person that was or different person? Same person. Same ex. And that's when I knew I had, a, a, that was enough foolishness on my part. I learned my lesson and it's time to move on. Yeah. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, yes. shame on me. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of moving on. Mm-hmm. Your girlfriend. Yes. I want to hear about how you two met and how you knew that this was something that was right. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. She is of all the women of everybody I've ever dated. She is like, I, I can't stop raving about her. Every podcast I listen to that I filmed or everywhere I've been, I would just rave about her, but she brings me one thing that no woman has ever given me before. She gives me peace. And let me kind of explain what that means. It's, I know no matter what's going on in our relationship, whether we're arguing or fighting, things are great. She's always going to be there. There's a constant uh, love and attentiveness that she always gives me. She's nurturing. She inspires me. She supports all my dreams and backs me up. Like she's kind of like the brains behind my operation. I'm the talent on, you know, on TikTok, where she's helping me in the back end. Uh, she, she makes me want to be a better man and she makes me want to conquer the world. And when I look at her, I know I can always count on her to be there for me no matter what's going on. And I think that's a lot of fear with a lot of men. We have this saying that we don't want to be vulnerable with women because I've experienced this myself. When things go bad, we've had previous women in our past leave, leave us at our worst. And when you can find somebody that you know is not going to go anywhere, is going to be at your bedside or be with you when, you know, a parent's ill, it's the, it's it's a feeling you will never want to trade or get rid of because it's a rarity that I've never experienced in my 45 years on this planet. This is the first one who's ever given me this. And I sure as hell, I'm not going to let it go. Uh, she's smart. She's intellectual. She's beautiful. Uh, she's uh, well-spoken, educated, she's funny, witty. She loves Mel Brooks movies. Like I do. She loves old seventies, uh, music. And, uh, she's just a wonderful culture woman. And, uh, it, I'm not letting that go whatsoever. <laughs> I don't even ha- I don't even have a response. There's no like response that can do it justice, but I'm so happy for you and I'm so happy for her and for mm-hmm. your son and it's just amazing that you know everything you went through this is the outcome of it and to your point from before it's like you're co-parenting now with your ex-wife and you guys get along and you're friends with her and her husband and yeah. it's just it's amazing to see how things turn out versus how it feels like when you're going through it and, you know, feeling so dark and so stuck and so unsure, like, will it ever get better? And I think mm-hmm. you're just evidence that it does. It it really does. And it's funny because the ex-wife was the first one when she saw her, she better marry her. I'm like, what? Really? <laughs> so there was oh, the ex-wife really? who said, I love that. Yeah, she goes, I love her. She's awesome. You should marry her. So we all like all get along great. We all co-parents. And you're right. Uh, there is a sphere because, again, uh, just the letting go piece, when you're going through the worst of the worst, we've all been there with heartache and, you know, in pain, crying and just not seeing a light. Um, what really helped me was just trying to stay positive. I wanted to stay positive for my kids. Uh, I told them the speech when I, we were getting divorced. Uh, it, one of the uh, last cards the ex-wife has, well, you, we're not going to do anything until you tell the kids. And that's one of the worst days of my life, but we all sat at the table and I said, look, your mommy and dad are getting divorced. Uh, we love you. We're still going to be your mom and dad. 
And I want you to know that we're still a family. Just because we're getting divorced doesn't mean we're not a family. I expect you to respect your mom when I'm not there and vice versa. When your mom needs help, I'm going to be there. We're going to help each other. And we're going to prove to everybody that you can get divorced and still be a healthy, dynamic family. And that kind of set the tone. And that's the way we've always been. We've, and we've always been careful with that. And it's funny because when you go out to the dating world, it's the people that we start dating that have a problem with our healthy dynamic and start trying to cause issues. There was a man she dated who thought, man, y'all guys are too close. You guys still in love or something. I'm leaving you. And she's like, love? No, we're just he's, he's the father of my kids. No, I can't handle this. I'm out of here. I had women say, no, why, why is he texting all the time? We're talking about my daughter's prom. You know, we're talking yep. about practice. You know, when you got a problem with that, then you can leave. I was pretty adamant about that and upfront. So I didn't allow any of that to come into our space. You know, that was that sacred. Is, yeah. And we're protecting that no matter what. And it's it's beautiful that you both decided to prioritize that and the way you approach the situation is just really the best way to do it. And yeah, that's exactly what the the recording I had yesterday is about, is about um, this guy who after getting divorced met this woman who he really thought was the love of his life and mm -hmm. she wasn't okay with how well he and his ex got along and their co-parenting situation and he always found himself having to choose between spending time with his daughter Ooh. or spending time with her and when he wasn't when he was with his daughter he felt guilty because she was upset so mm. it's it's yeah. crazy but it, it it is a sign that that person is just not yeah. They're not the one. They're not meant and for you. And if he got into a serious relationship with her, like a marriage, it's only going to just increase that divide. So uh, that was another rule we had. Like, uh, again, you know, not letting anybody come into our space, but also we didn't introduce the kids to anybody. Like we, like we, we need, we had a six month requirement. Like we needed to date them for six months to make sure they weren't crazy <laughs> or like this different person. You know how it is. You date somebody, they change after three weeks or three months. So we dated like my kids barely met my meets like two women, including my ex, my ex girlfriend and my girlfriend now. So we are very cautious in who we let our kids uh, introduce our kids to. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so important. I want to get into some listener questions because I think you give incredible advice. And I know the listeners are going to really be hoping that their question gets answered. So Ooh, let's okay. get into it. This first one is a bit longer, but I think you are a great person to help answer it. Okay. I've been dating my boyfriend for about three years. He's 33 and I'm 31. I've been very clear with him since the beginning that I'd like to be married someday. And he has been very clear that he does not. Since we were just dating, it seemed silly to end it. And then since we weren't anywhere close to being at that point. But as time has gone on, the subject has come up and he's been wishy-washy about maybe being open to it, but also continuously asks why it's so important to me. After some talks, I propose that we find some sort of compromise that we're both happy with, since at this point, even if he doesn't come around, I don't think it would be a good way to start a marriage. Domestic partnership seems like the only middle ground, but I'm not sure I'm happy enough with that. But at the same time, I don't know if completely ending things we can't, because we can't agree on this is foolish. I've always wanted to get married, but having these talks with him has made me evaluate the hard facts of why, and it comes down to very sentimental reasons. So that makes it seem even sillier to end things. Mm -hmm. Should I cut it off knowing he probably won't change his mind? And even if he doesn't, it probably won't feel right. Or do I keep going and see if we could find a good middle ground? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I think we talked about this when you were on my podcast. Uh, there's a ladies, if a guy is wishy-washy about getting married and you're the one bringing it up and he's kind of like, Oh, I don't know about that. He's already telling you what his intentions are, where his heart's at. He's not ready for that. He's not ready for marriage. And it, and it may not be toward you, it could be to the fear of losing what he has. Cause you know, there's social media with everything. 
there's this anti-marriage movement that we see all the time. And a lot of guys are deviating from marriage because of what can go wrong. And it's, it's a reality, uh, but it can't go wrong. But again, if you are the one bringing it up and he's just kind of like, oh, I don't know, he is telling you right there that marriage is not an important key factor to him. And if it is important for you, and that's what really what your heart wants, you shouldn't compromise that uh, for anybody. Uh, I know you've had a long-term relationship, but that's, it sounds like it's, that's the, the full, fullest extent it's going to go. But if marriage is important to you deep down and that's what you really want, then I would go seek uh, that with another person because he's not going to be on board with that. Uh, and if it, he's not going to change when you get married either. He's not going to change. And uh, he may not be fully vested five years in when you have a little kid or six years in. So just that's somebody that you want to be cautious around. I agree. And there's this concept called the sunk cost fallacy. And I feel like that's a little bit of what you're dealing with right here, where you've spent three years dating this guy. So you feel like you're already three years in, you've already found this person, you do have that connection and you don't want to, part of you doesn't want to end it because you've already invested that yeah. time. And now you're in your thirties, you probably do want to, you know, get the ball rolling if you do want to have kids. But just because you've invested that time with this person, doesn't mean that this is right. And if this is something that you've been struggling with, and it's been a conversation, it's been a debate, it's been a point of conflict, this whole three years, I don't think it's ever going to right. come to some sort of conclusion. Like, neither of you are going to wake up one day and be like, Oh, okay, actually, yeah, mm -hmm. you were right. Like, let's do what you wanted to do. And that's just, it's unrealistic. And I think that you completely deserve to have everything that you want. And there will be somebody out there who wants to be with you, who wants to marry you, who wouldn't even consider not marrying you. And I do think that that is worth continuing to search for. Yeah, absolutely. And I do appreciate that she's looking into why she wants to get married, because it's a question yes. I ask a lot of people why. Uh, having been there and done that for so many years, and uh, again, having seen so many marriages that I know personally uh, and in divorce, uh, I truly believe that a lot of people get married for the wrong reasons. So it, kind of like doing that self-analysis and asking yourself why is a very important part of that. And if it's just sentimental, well, then maybe marriage is not the right avenue to go with, but maybe she should further explore that to find out what, why is that so important to her? Yeah, I think that's a great point too. Okay, next question. Okay. I had sex with a guy on the second date. He then spent the night, held my hand all night, was the most cuddly person ever, and only left as at lunchtime as he had to take a flight. He repeatedly was saying he did not want to leave. Then he pulled away. Okay, then after that, he pulled away. I texted him after four days, and he said that while he does not want to lose contact, he doesn't know what he wants. Why was he cuddling and clingy then? Can I be honest? <laughs> Please, that's what we're here for. Um... Well, it sounds like he got what he wanted. That's why he doesn't, he's giving you the, I don't know what I want speech. And uh, most guys are performers in bed. And we know if we play to your heartstrings and, you know, after the act, if we kind of coddle and we kind of romanticize the after experience, we know that you're going to remember that. And uh, you may want to re revisit that experience again. So he could be just be doing that, especially if, if it's two dates since she slept with him. Is that what she said? Yeah, second date. Yeah, and again, uh, I'm gonna sound like an old guy here, but that's a little too soon. Most guys, including myself, if this if sex happened too fast, there's some sort of weird primal uh, feeling inside of us that the, the pursuit is gone, and we don't want to entertain that anymore since we kind of already got there. And I remember telling way myself like I don't know what I want, but I was I told you I'm just want to be free and just kind of do my own thing. 
uh, it could be that. And again, I wouldn't read too much into like the holding hands and just saying all those nice gestures. You can just be a nice guy saying those things. But a lot of times we want to leave the experience as memorable as possible. And we'll say things like that. Yeah, I agree with, with that, especially that last <laughs> point you made of like, don't look into the cuddling and the holding hands thing. Yeah. And I hear that all the time from friends and listeners in the DMs. It's like, why? Like they were so cuddly. They were so like touchy feely and cutesy and then like disappeared. And I think mm -hmm. there are people who are just like that. And yeah. we, our instinct is to say like, oh, well, they were doing this with me. They, that must mean they like me. And I think for, in some cases, totally, you know, there are going to be some guys, some girls, some people who are, you know, cuddlier and cutesier mm -hmm. when they really like you. And it does mean something, but I think it's 50, 50. And for half the people, it's just what they do. And it doesn't actually indicate feelings or wanting something more. Yeah. And plus you just finished having sex. So of course he's going to be very cuddly and just very fond of you. And if he's like that app, you know, when sex is not in the equation, like out to dinner and out on dates and at the movies or just in the car, that says something else. But if it's after the act, I mean, everyone's kind of feeling good after that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, like I'm glad you weren't writing and saying he was on his phone after. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. My work crush and I just hooked up. We had sex after our Christmas party. We talked after and we said, it's not going to be awkward. We said it was a, what happened happened moment, but I kind of want it to happen again. Is that bad? Very, it, it's very bad. Uh, you should not sleep <laughs> with anybody that you work with because guys, and women talk. I don't know the character of this person, but people talk and they will spread rumors and not spread rumors. They'll say, hey, guess who I hooked up with? And before you know it, you'll be the talk of the town in that network or in that team. And when things end, you know, if you took any photos with him, he's going to share them with his, friend, his friends and just talk about it. So no, I, I get romance uh, workplace uh, items happen, but I, I highly advise to stay away from that. And uh I would not revisit it because again, if it's a place where you want to build a branding career, uh, your brand can be easily destroyed with rumor. And you really want to take care of that because once rumors spread, people will know of you of that one rumor and you do, you want to separate the two as far as possible. Yeah. I think the important thing to consider here is like, do you want it to happen again because it was fun and you just want to have sex with them again? Or yeah. do you actually have feelings for this person and maybe want something more? I think that's exactly. what you have to differentiate because if you just want to sleep with this person, like go find someone else like that is just not going to end well. But mm -hmm. if you actually do have feelings and are like, Oh, didn't expect this. Like, okay, now I'm thinking, or, you know, this has always been my work crush and this happened. And now like my feelings have grown stronger. That's, I think a little bit of a different situation. Um, we did just put out a coworkers episode with my friends, Kristen and Sam, who met at work and are getting married next year. So go listen oh, to that. Okay. They had a lot of good insights in either direction of like when you should and should not pursue something like that and how to have those conversations. So go check that out. It can also affect your work performance too, because if you're the jealous type and you see them yep. talking to somebody else, why do you, why are you have a meeting with that guy? What are you doing after work? Why were you gone all day? You know, it can really mess with your performance. So stay away from that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I've been very adamant, like team don't shit where you eat because I've done it and it's been a disaster, but mm -hmm. I also, I'd say three, what three of the weddings I'm going to next year, at least three off the top of my head, they met at work. So, okay. I don't know. Okay. 
something to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. A few more. Um, do I text him or do I give up? I've been on a couple of dates with this guy. He recently canceled our fourth date because he said he had the flu. I was understanding, but it's been five days and he hasn't texted to reschedule or resume conversation. Is anyone that ill that they wouldn't even send something? Wow. Okay. Well, everybody has their phone on them 24 seven, right? So I don't, uh, I always, I always tell people, men and women, if you have any doubts or any concerns, just call, don't text. Things can be lost in translation. Just call. And that's one thing I noticed when I started dating again, no one liked to have conversations over the phone anymore. It was all text. And yeah. I hate that. Uh, so call and just say, Hey, one, check if he's okay. And two, if he is just ask him, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. And I want to know where we're at and just go from there. I, that way you don't have any, you know, um, scenarios that kind of come in your head. You'll have an, an answer if you ask him. So that's what I would say. Just call him. Yeah, I agree. I think don't just like give up because you haven't heard from him when he has the flu. I think you can totally check in, say, how are you feeling and see if he wants to put something on the calendar. Um, but if after that, then, you know, it's still wishy-washy right. or kind of no response. That's when I would say move on. Maybe he doesn't even have the flu. Maybe he's just telling you he has a flu. So I've heard, I've heard <laughs> Oof, guys lie about that rough. too. My grandma died. Yeah. What? The grandma died again? What? <laughs> it's just like. How many grandmas do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a number of scenarios, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what would you suggest for someone who is shy and introverted, but wants to find someone? Ooh, that is a good one. Um, take your time, uh, with putting yourself out there. Uh, I know that's a major step for anybody who is an introvert, uh, but just take baby steps. Uh, maybe just going outside to a place that you like, I wouldn't say going to a bar, but let's say you go like going to movies something of that nature, go to a movie and just maybe start small dialogues. And maybe it doesn't even have to be with uh, somebody you're uh, interested in. Just talk to anybody and kind of kind of build those skill sets of just talking to people around you, starting a conversation with anybody. And when you feel comfortable enough and confident enough that your skills have gotten better and uh, where you, you don't feel like uh, nervous, I would then pursue maybe talking to people that you are interested in, but uh, just baby steps. And that can take some time for a lot of introverts. Uh, don't be too hard on yourself if you're not where you're not where you want to be within a month or two, you know, this, this is going to take some time. I agree. I completely agree with what you said, like one foot in front of the other one step forward and and be mm-hmm. patient. And, you know, it might seem like, Oh, you're at such a disadvantage because you're shy because you're introverted, but even the people who are extroverted and so outgoing struggle with dating too. So mm-hmm. it's just like, we all have our different struggles and we all yeah. have to kind of work around them. So don't be too hard on yourself for it. Um, maybe try and come up with some great opening lines for dating apps that can help you get into better conversations where you feel more comfortable. You feel a little more connected before meeting someone in person. Um, but yeah, exactly Mm -hmm. like that one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And understand that there's other people that feel exactly the way you do. So you're not the only one. So Exactly. Okay. My last question for you and my favorite question to ask, I'm very excited to hear your answer. What is the best piece of dating advice you've ever received or have to give? Wow. That is a good one. Okay. Um, well dating, I had a lot of fun and, uh, I would say I'm gonna kind of start with say, be yourself and let me, I know that's cliche and I know you've heard that many times, but what I did when I started, again, I hadn't dated since the 90s. Here I am, 39, going out into the dating world. I was excited to introduce myself to people as Rudy, right? I've never introduced myself to anybody as a single guy. I was positive about my life and what was in front of me. I didn't know what was in front of me. 
but I was excited about the possibility of what could happen. I was excited that my ex-wife and I were great co-parents. Uh, I love my job. I love my career. And I, there were just endless possibilities out there for me. And that enthusiasm and that energy, again, I have no game. I have no like pickup lines or anything like that, but just that energy and smile and, um, just that overall outlook on life was what really had me be, have a successful dating career. A lot of women said, wow, like you are totally opposite of what I've met. Most guys hate their ex-wives. Most guys hate exes. Most, most people hate their job. And here you are just excited about life. So that was a new energy that a lot of women felt. And I also was very honest with them. And I, again, a lot of women say, well, honesty is a game. I'm like, well, I guess it is. But I was honestly telling them, look, I'm not looking for anything serious. I know what I want. This is what I'm looking for. And if this is not for you, hey, let's just be friends. Who says we have to hate each other? Let's just kind of be friends. I don't know anybody. <laughs> All the ex-friends went to the ex-wife. So I don't know anybody. Let's just be friends. So I started a lot of friendships that way. So there is no pressure in the dating space. Um, there was no expectations. I just went for the ride. Life is a ride up and down. It's going to be wonderful and horrible. But, you know, just going for the ride and just enjoying the night for what it is is the best advice I can give you. Don't go out there hoping that this is the new future ex-husband or future wife. Are we going to hook up later? No. Enjoy the evening, be in the now, and just be a lover of life. And I think that'll be very successful for you. It worked for me. And I'm, like I said, I'm 5'9". I don't have six figures. I'm just a guy who loves life and loves to make women laugh and give them tacos because women love food. <laughs> women do love food that is that is a fact that could be the title of this episode <laughs> title of a new podcast women love food dating advice no I think that's great and I think that's so true and honestly just really good advice for anyone going on dates like try and take the pressure off and just enjoy yeah. getting to know people enjoy getting to know yourself better enjoy trying a new restaurant or get trying a new cocktail at a bar like there's so much else that you can take out of each dating experience other than like oh did we get on to the next date did yeah or like do i like them do they like me like i think that's such a great way to approach it mm -hmm. yeah. many women said I, you're such a nerd i'm like thank you because i love comic book movies and uh, i took that as a major compliment you're and like i am a nerd i am a nerd i am what i am i love what i love and uh yeah like i said just be yourself uh and people love people people love seeing people who enjoy life we've all watched those videos on tiktok where you see somebody just explaining something you know nothing about but they're just excited and just loving their background and we just gravitate to that so people gravitate to positivity and people who love their life and i promise you that's a major proponent of having success a successful day in life just loving who you are and just um just just loving life i know i repeated myself but that's what it is that's a secret no it, it couldn't be more true i love it <laughs> rudy thank you so so much for being here i hope that you have more sleep to come in the future <laughs> but it is not impacting the advice you give at all this was awesome and i'm really so excited that you're here and yeah to everyone listening go check out my episode with rudy on the root advice podcast i'll have that linked in the show notes too where can everybody find you uh, right now on TikTok, uh, again, uh, Rudy A, Rudy underscore A is where you can find me. I am currently developing courses for uh, pre-marriage screenings and post-divorce life uh, steps. So I'm working on that behind the scenes. So those courses will be available uh, in about mid-March. So look out for that. Oh, yeah. But again, TikTok is going to be where I'm at, Instagram, and I'm working on the YouTube channel as well. All with uh, Rudy Advice will be in the podcast title. 
Amazing. Thank you so much. And to everyone who listened, all of that will be linked in the show notes. Please, please, please send this episode to a friend who would love to hear it. Send it to the group chat. Send it to that coworker you have a crush on. Send it to your family. <laughs> There's Everyone can pull something from this. Share it on your story. Tag both of us if you loved it. And I will talk to you guys next time. 